0: Well, this is the last Sunday in our series on what the Bible says about healing. You guys been blessed so far? I hope so. This is, uh, uh, I love going and looking at all these promises and looking at what God's doing through these things and, and, uh. One of the things that we have to recognize, though, that when we're dealing with any promise in the Bible, it's obviously we're going to be dealing specifically about healing today, but when we're dealing with any of the, the promises in the Bible, that we have a responsibility as well. So I, uh, I titled this one, According to Your Faith. I, I always go back and forth. Should I title this According to Your Faith, or should I title it Your Responsibility? Because how many know that we have responsibilities as Christians, that we are required to put our trust in God, to put our trust in Jesus Christ if we want any of the promises of God to be applicable in our life. Because the Bible says that if we ask with doubt, we might as well not ask him for anything. Don't expect to receive it, but when you ask in faith, I love that you can expect to receive it. It's not a, it's not a, 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 a maybe or an if or like, if I just, if I just believe hard enough, then it'll, it'll raise my chances pretty good. But it's not. It's it's a simple uh, yes or no thing. Do you believe? Then it's yours. If you don't believe, don't expect to receive it. So we do have a responsibility in healing, not not a responsibility of performance. You don't have to, you know, if you're looking for, for a significant healing in your life, you don't have to go, well, I went to uh, to church 48 out of 52 weeks, and I, that meets the cutoff. That's that's what I got to hit. Or or maybe I, I read my Bible 300 days of the year. That should be pretty close, right? I mean, that's, that's going to get me right up there on God's scale. And it doesn't work like that. It's simply a matter of trust and believing in Him. And I think Personally, I think the reason why we see um, just so few miracles in general in the United States, but particularly healing, is because our whole lives, from the moment we're small, we go through school, we're told to, to place our trust in the, the natural, to place our trust in science. You know, everything can be explained by science. And we're, we're taught that, Right? From, from a young age. matter of fact, it actually gets pretty difficult when you're, you know, your kids at home and you're, you're raising your kids and, and you walk in and the, the cookie jar is, is on the floor broken. And you're like, how'd that happen? They're like, I don't know. <laughs> because that's what they always say. I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I don't know. And we say, no, things don't just happen. There's a reason for everything. There's an explanation for everything. A natural explanation forever. We teach them that from when they're little. And then we wonder why we have so much difficulty placing our faith in the supernatural now. Me and Steve were just talking this morning uh, about, uh, for me, it's difficult and for him as well, that, that when, when stuff like this, that, miracles happen, we see them happen, our mind instantly goes to skepticism. And I know that's true for me. And in many cases, matter of fact, God is always working me, challenging me to stop putting Him in a box, to stop trying to tell Him what He can and can't do based on my experiences and my expectations of how the world works. Because He is able to do far more than we could ever imagine. That He is able to do. So sometimes you just got to put yourself in check. That's a, the enemy of faith trying to. T- can't. The interesting thing is, if you don't trust God, you believe He can't do something effectively, He won't. We can limit what God does based on our, th- we can't be double minded. We have to have a raw trust, like a, like a child trusts a parent. You know, the scripture that says we have to have faith like little children. I always uh, had a hard time. Like, what does that mean? What does it mean? Faith like little children. And one day my son showed it to me. He walked up and, and he was, he was at least probably two or three. And he had this toy and he had broke it he broke it good. Like there was, it was broke. And he brings it up to me, he says, dad, fix it. And I said, I can't, son, it's too broke. And he said, no, no, you can fix it. He was convinced that I could fix it. And that's when I began to understand, wait a minute, that's the kind of faith that he's talking about. When there, no matter what the circumstances, even, even when I told him it was impossible, he said, no, you can do it, you're dad. And then later I saw another example when my son was, was up on the, the edge of a, a table on, or, or a wall, have you ever had your kid jump to you? And they just want they just you to jump. And they just go. No fear at all. Their trust in you is utterly complete. They, they, don't, they, they, they can't even comprehend that you wouldn't catch them, that you wouldn't be there. That's the kind of faith that we've got to have when we're dealing with God, a faith that just doesn't even comprehend the alternative. When we pray for healing, we shouldn't be, I mean, I hope this happens. We should not be able to comprehend the alternative because our God is faithful. And then there's Christians around that I've dealt with in my life That anybody ever met a realist? Oh, I have faith, but I'm just a realist. That's an enemy of faith too. When you begin to—that's another thing that I think that we do as Christians, and and I've done it myself, so I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. But we begin to make excuses for God. Have you ever prayed for somebody and in the middle of prayer you're already going through what you're going to say if it doesn't happen immediately? We begin to make excuses for God, and I begin to realize that. It's not my responsibility to make excuses for God. He can answer for himself. I just need to trust him. And that is our responsibility. And what we're going to do today is we're going to go through example after example after example. And when you're like, there can't possibly be any more examples, there's at least two more. Examples of where Jesus specifically says it's according to your faith. Or at the very least, it's implied that their faith is what made These promises come to to life. So in Matthew 9, 27 through 31, it says, And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. And when he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. And then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame throughout all the district. So son of David is actually the title of the Messiah. The Messiah was supposed to be a political or a military figure. He was supposed to come and free them from Roman rule and and under the bondage of Roman rule. But these men, one, they recognized him as the Messiah, called him the son of David. And two, they recognized him as something more. See, this is interesting because right now the Jews are convinced the Messiah is going to come and he's going to free them. And these guys are convinced that, that he's going to free them too, but in a completely different way. And I find it interesting because these guys needed their healing. They, they were going after it because Jesus, he's walking down the road, these blind guys are yelling after him and he walks into somebody's house. And these just do just march right in. Just walk in. I mean, Can you imagine having that kind of faith to walk into somebody else's house because you know that you're going to receive something there? Not only that, they can't see. Maybe they didn't even know they were walking to a house. I don't know. But they walked into these guys' house and they said, Son of David, have mercy on us. Aren't you glad that we serve a merciful God? They didn't say, Son of David, can't you see that I've already gone through enough? I've already done enough. You owe me. They said, no, have mercy on me. And they risk going into someone's house uninvited because they believe so thoroughly that Jesus could do this for them. And Jesus is only concerned when he looked at him and he says, do you believe that I am able to do this? You know, when we come up to get prayer, that's one of the things that he's asking us right now. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Most of us don't have the faith to get a headache cured, let alone, uh, a devastating disease, a life-threatening disease because we don't believe they can have. We've been taught our whole life that if, if medical science can't figure it out, what is good for it? Jesus said, do you believe I can do this? And they said, yes. And he said, well, then let it be done to you according to your faith. Now, that's an interesting thing because what if they didn't believe what if they just said they believed? What if they were just doing the right things? You know, that's true in every area of Christianity. That's why people have sat in church their entire life and they're still not saved because they're doing all the right things. They're hitting all the right check marks, but they don't actually believe. And Jesus said, do you believe? They said, yes. We'll, you know, they, they could have said, we'll say anything. Just go ahead and have mercy on us. But no, they, they really believed and we know that because their, their eyes were made clear and they could see. And then something amazing happened. Jesus, this is funny, because Jesus is like, don't tell anybody. And they're like, yes, sir. Hey, guess what happened? And they told everybody. They went around, and it's, it's this fame spread throughout all the district. See, that's what happens when God touches you for reals. You can't hold it in. You've got to tell somebody. You can't, you can't hold it inside of you because God's just done an amazing thing. And you, want, you want to see churches grow in the United States? Let's let the supernatural run rampant again. Let's stop putting God in a box. Let's stop telling God what he can and can't do and say, you know what, God, we trust you. Do whatever you want to do. And we'll begin to see the lame leap, the blind see. I believe we'll see limbs grow back where people didn't have them. We'll see dead, the dead men rise. Do you know what would happen to the church if that happened? It would explode. People would come to Christ from every direction. But right now, the church is, is so uh, flaccid. The church limp, anything. We don't trust God for anything. And people go, Why would I go to the church? It's not any different in there than it is out here. Church, we have to start trusting that God is who He says He is, He'll do what He says He's going to do. A similar story happens in Mark ten, forty six through 52. It says, and they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, was son of Timaeus, who was sitting on the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. That's a that's a. Interesting thing that we see that all the time. No one's trying to earn this promise from Jesus. They're just saying, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? (laughs) That's a silly question. (laughs) Really? Can you not see I can't see? You can see, you should see that I can't see. But just what do you want me to do for you? Because the truth is, we still have to ask. We still have to express faith by even asking. Do you know that that's why when we ask people to come up and pray, that's why we do it? Getting out of your chair, walking up in front of everybody to get prayed for is an act of faith. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? It's also why when people come up, I ask, what do you want me to pray for? Because specific prayer gets specific answers. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And he has a miracle happen. Jesus told him, go his way. What was the natural response of this man after he got touched by Jesus? He didn't go his way. He got up and followed him on the way. Because he knew that this was a God who loved him. This is someone who had cared about him and wanted something for him. But this this blind guy, and and you see it a little bit today, but particularly back then, if you had a defect, you were an outcast. You were like it's not like people were taking care of him. There wasn't somebody that was he, was, he was probably begging all the time. He didn't have anybody to take care of him. And he goes and he, he risks the retribution of the crowd to cry out to Jesus. Matter of fact, they get mad, right? They're like, he's a blind guy is, is sitting on the roadside. He's crying and, and he's asking them to, to have mercy on him. And they start yelling at him. Could you imagine if that happened today? People would be up in arms. But they rebuked him and said, what are you doing? Leave him alone. Because they didn't understand who Jesus was either. He doesn't want anything to do with you. Just leave him alone. But it wasn't about how the people valued him. It was how God values us, which is independent of the things we do or what other people think of us. And he goes to him and, and he, they rebuke him and he says, take heart, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And he says, go your way. Your faith has made you well. I, I, when I think about this, I think of the, the, the story of... Uh, uh uh is it Naaman? Is that the, the the guy with the leprosy? Yeah. Sorry, there's too many names to remember in the Bible. Naaman, and uh he gets up to him and he says, he ask the prophet to come out and heal him, and he's like, No, just go get just go bathe in the in the river Jordan. And he's like, No, I thought you would come out and wave your hands and do some sort of chant, maybe a little magic dance, do some do something to make it happen. And 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 finally his his servant says if he asked you to do something great, would you have done it? He's asking you to do a little thing. Just go do it. You know, sometimes you need people in your life that are willing to tell you that you're being stupid. You do. But he goes and he gets healed. And this is the same way, too. Can you imagine? He's like, he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fight the crowd. I'm going to get up to Jesus, and he's going to do something. Although, on the other hand, I guess he had it better than the guy that Jesus spit in his eye. But <laughs> Jesus doesn't do anything. He's like, you're good. Go your way. You're healed. Doesn't even didn't give the implication. He talked to him, touched him, prayed for him. He just said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. It's interesting because part of it almost gives you the impression. Jesus is like, you don't need me. Just trust. Because your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight. The other thing that you see with this man is that he threw his cloak. You know, when I begin to try to to really paint you a picture of the kind of faith this people have, one Jesus saw, he says, your faith has made you well, but this is the blind guy. He's a beggar, he doesn't have a place. His coat is his everything. It's what keeps him warm at night. It's what he sleeps on. It's his everything. But he was so willing to trust Jesus that he threw it to the side and ran, sprang to his feet. Blind man, running through the cloud, How does he know he didn't throw his cloak right in front? He could have been tripping over it. Runs through a crowd to reach Jesus. That just demonstrates faith as well. That's why James said, you show me your faith without your works, I'll show you my faith by my works. It wasn't to say that your your works is what saves you. Your works is what what makes you right with God. What he's saying is if you're right with God, if you really trust him, it's going to cause something in your life. It's going to cause action. It's why Peter actually had to step out of the boat. Because faith without action is, is nothing. It's just words. And I love that he followed him. Has anybody ever met somebody that, that had a, a miracle take place in their life and then they just end up walking away? It's like they had some sort of holy slot machine. They went up, rang the thing, they got what they wanted, and they're like, oh, I guess I'm good now, and they just walk away. I don't even fathom that. How can you just walk away when God has touched your life? so much, but I've known people to do it. I knew a guy who was completely cured of pancreatic cancer, completely healed, came to church like two more weeks and then never saw him again. How does that even happen? like I said, these aren't the only stories in Luke seventeen eleven through 19. It says, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. It's interesting. These lepers are actually operating out of out of a sense of respect. They recognize that they are are not able to talk to Jesus. They're not able to to get near him because that would actually make him unclean. He was a Jew. And they from a distance, they begin Yelling out to him and and jesus they said jesus master have mercy on us And when he saw them, he said to them go and show yourselves to the priests and as they went they were cleansed And then one of them when he saw that he was healed turned back praising god with a loud voice and he fell on his face At jesus's feet giving him thanks and now he was a samaritan and then jesus answered were not ten cleansed Where are the nine was not was no one found to return and give praise to god except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. There's that word again. Your faith has made you well. This is an interesting situation because Jews and Samaritans don't live together. They, they, they hate each other. They don't interact. Samaritan was a, a bad, you know, we have the saying, oh, it's a good Samaritan. But to them, it wasn't a, that wasn't a, a nice thing to say. If you called somebody a Samaritan, that was like cursing them out. But this disease was so bad they caused you to be such an outcast. It broke down all normal social normative walls. And, and these lepers, no matter where the background, they, they stayed in camps outside together. And like I told you uh, last week, these guys, they would walk around. They were required to walk around if they were in town with the bell ringing and yelling unclean so that they wouldn't be touched by the other Jewish men so they wouldn't be made unclean. They weren't allowed to worship. They weren't allowed to stay in the city. And they were even afraid to go up to Jesus. But they yelled out to him. They overcame their fear. They at least called out to him. And it doesn't even say Jesus went over to him. He's like, yeah, just go. You're, you're good to go. And they begin to walk. And you notice what he says is that, that uh, it says, as they went, they were cleansed. Now that's some faith that you have to have. And when Jesus says, go see the priest, you're healed. And they went. Are you sure? Because it kind of still looks like I have leprosy. Because Jesus said you're healed. And they looked at their bodies and they went. "Nope, that's not what the evidence is showing me. Anybody ever had something like that? Where you begin, you begin to pray and trust God for healing. And you look and you just look the exact same way. Whatever you're dealing with. It hasn't gone anywhere. You're still dealing with the very same thing. But Jesus says go see the priests. And as they went they were cleansed. They had to take a step in faith. I wonder what that was going through their head. They're like, okay, but they're going to be ticked if I show up like this. They're not going to want me. And they just began walking. And then they're walking. They're talking. Do you think this guy's real? I can't even believe he didn't come over and talk to me. He didn't do I mean, what's? And then they look down, and they're healed because they, they put their trust in him. And they took that very first step, even when it didn't look like they were healed. Sometimes you just have to pray and trust, and move on with your life. Keep moving forward like the thing that you've asked for, you've already received. That's faith. He doesn't say, you're cured, go see the priest. He says, go see the priest. And they get cured on the way. And then when the one saws it, it, he turns around and he begins glorifying God. You know that healing should result only in the glorification of God. When people see that, we should lift up our voices to him, to praise him, to worship him. And this guy, one of them does. One out of the ten turns around and begins to glorify God. And he's a Samaritan. He's not even a Jew. He says, what? Nobody else came to worship because of this? Now, a side note, if you guys want a little extra nugget of knowledge as you go out of here, this is interesting, too. He turns around and begins to worship at Jesus' feet. He says, we're not nine, not ten cleansed. Where are the nine. No one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner. He wasn't giving praise to God. He was giving praise to Jesus. Because Jesus was God. You'll find stuff like this all of the Bible. Jesus received worship. Worship alone was reserved for God. There's so much evidence that Jesus is God. I can't believe that anybody actually makes the case that he wasn't. Least of which if he wasn't, he couldn't have covered the sins of the entire world. If he was just a man, that best he could have laid down his life for his own sins. But as God, he was able to lay down his life for the entire world. But he received worship. Then in Luke 840, we see another example in and uh, this is a, a great story because it's like two wrapped into one, two amazing healing stories that wrap into one and actually the way they, they interact with one another actually shows faith even more. So in Luke eight forty through 42, it says, Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. His name, fun fact, actually means ruler. Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. And he had... He had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. And as Jesus went, the people pressed around him. So like I said, this is the first of a, lo- of a longer story. And now I got Jairus. He's the local synagogue leader. Like I said, his name actually means ruler. And this is interesting because at this point, the Jews didn't put any faith in Jesus because you would be ostracized. You would be kicked out. He was putting everything at risk to trust this man, to trust jesus christ to do what nobody else could do he was believing him for healing his daughter and he was risking everything how much are we willing to risk to put our trust in jesus christ not even just in healing but in our life so much of us are so unwilling to risk even the 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 cushiest of comforts to not serve him but he was risking everything to come to jesus And man, you think about this, for for what he's dealing with, how severe what was going on in his life must have been. I mean, he must have really thought his daughter was going to die. And on one hand, I'm so glad that he finally put his trust in Jesus. On the other hand, it breaks my heart that it had to come to this. Would this man have not came to Jesus if his daughter wasn't sick? I mean, how many of us in our own lives, we don't actually cry out to Jesus till our world's fallen apart? Instead of reaching out to him when everything's going great. I think that our world would fall apart probably a lot less if we put our trust in him and we served him even when everything was going well. But I can't say too much because I see it all the time in my own life. Things get bad. I press in. I press in. Then things start going good. And and I don't know how it happens. You just look up one day and, and you're like, I'm not where I was a few weeks ago. And I have to catch myself all the time to make sure that I'm staying in. See, that's the good for you, bad for me. Being a pastor doesn't automatically raise you to an elite level. You're just like everybody else, struggle with the same things. Maybe I'll talk to him about that. Maybe it would help me out if he gave me a little supernatural, uh, supernatural lift up or something. But I deal with all the same things. I deal with all the, you know, the same struggles. But I do know one thing. You know, you truly believe in something if you're willing to risk everything for it. That's why when we look at the martyrs of our faith, we're so impressed and amazed because we wonder, would we do the same thing? Would we have the kind of faith to risk everything? To have our friends and family killed or even give up our own life? Would we be willing to risk even that for God? For what He's done for us? But He believed He was willing to risk everything to have his daughter's life saved. Like I said, the story goes on. And verse 43, it says, There was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. And she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. There's an exclamation mark because Peter's basically saying, are you serious? Like everybody's touching you. What do you mean who touched you? But this is an interesting story because the two interact in such a, uh, an interesting way to me. One, we have this lady. Everybody knows who she I mean, she's got this disease for 12 years. Everybody knows who she is. Everybody knows what she's going through. I guarantee you that people, when they saw her coming, they, they, they understood that if they got near and they touched her, they would be considered unclean. So she's going to brave the crowd, to press through no matter what they thought because she wanted to see Jesus. The, the amount of faith this woman had was, was amazing because not only was she braving the crowd, but she's getting ready to step in the way of Jesus, going to heal the ruler of the synagogue's daughter so not only is she is she bra- uh, braving the persecution and the retribution of the crowd but also the local synagogue leader cuz what if she gets to him Jesus gets distracted and now his daughter dies could you imagine the what she would face from causing that kind of issue and he goes and and she just she doesn't even want to talk to him she's like if i just Touch him. If I just get close enough, I I believe that if I can just get in his presence and touch it, that, that, that my daughter, that I will be healed. And she presses through everything. And then she gets healed. And Jesus actually feels power coming out of himself. And he says, Who touched me? I just felt power coming out of myself. And his disciples are like, Everybody touched you. What are you talking about, Jesus? And she she fesses up. She says, it was me. So we continue on. It says, but Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceived that power has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Is anybody noticing a pattern? As we go through, your faith has made you well. Your trust has made you well. When we put our trust in Jesus, he's able to work in our lives in ways we could never imagine. And I find this interesting because Jesus didn't make a conscious decision to heal this woman. She reached out and she fought everything to take hold of what she knew to be true. Church, sometimes we have to have not only faith, but we have to have aggressive faith. Sometimes we have to press through everything and just take hold of the promise of God. Matthew eleven twelve says from the day of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. Sometimes you have to go against all odds when, when the doctors are telling you it can't be healed, when, when science says it can't be healed. The people around you are saying it's crazy to put your trust in something else. Sometimes you just have to stand aggressively trusting and take your promise. Luke eight forty nine. 49, as we continue this story, it says, while he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. I wonder what that lady was thinking as she's just talking to Jesus. She was healed. She tells her story. Too much time has passed. Now the daughter's dead. I wonder what she's thinking right now because she risked everything. And had things turned out differently, she might have actually risked everything and been healed for just a moment before she was stoned. But Jesus on hearing, he says, your daughter's dead, but do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus on hearing this answered him and says, do not fear, only Believe. She will be well. And when he came to the house he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James, and the father and mother of the child. And all they were weeping and mourning for her, but he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead, but taking her by the hand he called, saying, Child arise, and her spirit returned, and she got up at once and directed that something and he directed that something should be given to her to eat. I can't imagine what was going through Jerry's head when he first gets this news. He said, I finally got, I risked everything. I made it to Jesus. He's going to heal my daughter. And then Jesus doesn't get there in time. Anybody ever felt like Jesus didn't get there in time in your life? I know I have. Wondering where he's at. Wondering why he hasn't done what he said he was going to do. For those of you who know about uh, my daughter, some of the hell stuff that she's going through, it seems like, matter of fact, over this past four weeks, as as I've been ministering on healing and challenging you guys all to have faith, her condition has gotten worse. It's not gotten better; it's gotten worse. And I, I I'm, I'm one. I recognize that that the enemy is taking this opportunity to attack me and my family. But I sat there and I pray. Uh, I've been, I've been. Uh, when I pray in the morning lately, I've been writing letters to God instead of praying out loud. And um, it really helps me to, to kind of just stay focused and, and, you know, not repeat meaningless phrases. I'm really thinking about what I'm saying, but if I were to let you read my letters, you'll see that there's days where I'm asking God, why, why? I'm trusting you? Like what, what is going on? Why is, why are you not there? Why is this happening? And I, I, I am just like any of you. And I ask these things, and then he says stuff like, do not fear, only believe. Sometimes it doesn't happen the way we think it's going to happen. Sometimes it feels like God is not going to be there, but it's like I talked before. There's a difference between uh, uh, truth and facts. The truth is my daughter is healed. If you continue reading my prayers, you'll see that no matter what, I'm still choosing to trust him because he is faithful. And I'm going to continue trusting him and my daughter will be healed one day. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit trusting. I'm going to be aggressive with my faith. Jesus actually says when he goes to, to see this girl, he goes in the room with her and he only brings in his closest disciples and the mother and the father to pray with them. Anybody ever wondered why he does stuff like this? Because sometimes when you need to buckle down and trust God, you need to get the people in your life that are acting in opposition to your faith out of the room. You need to get people that are saying, you know, I'm a realist. This just can't happen. And why would you trust that? I mean, that's just, it just doesn't make it. The people that are, that are basically operating in the opposite of faith Need to get out of the room not because their their lack of faith is going to somehow nullify your faith But because they can begin to cause you to doubt They can begin to cause you to question whether god will do what he says he's going to do So jesus takes him and he goes in the room. He gets everybody else out of the room and He says don't weep she's sleeping and they begin to laugh at him Because it it's obvious she's dead but then he takes her by the hand and he says, child, arise. I also love anytime time you see this, when Jesus is praying for people to heal, he doesn't, uh, he's not begging God to heal her. Oh, Lord, please, please heal this. Please, please make her rise from the dead. Oh, Lord, please put her spirit back inside of her. He doesn't, he commands her to get up. We should pray the same way. We don't ask, we don't, we don't beg God to heal us, but instead we stand on the truth of the promise that we've already been given. We stand on the truth that we are healed. That's why if you ever see me praying for you for that kind of stuff, I thank God that these things are done and I take authority over what's going on and command it to go or to die or to be done with. He said, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Matthew 8, 5-13, it says, when he entered whatever that word is a centurion came forward to him appealing to him lord my servant is laying paralyzed at home suffering terribly and he said to him i will come and heal him but the centurion replied lord i am not worthy to have you come under my roof but only say the word and my servant will be healed for i too am a man under authority with soldiers under me and i say to one go and he goes and to another come and he comes and to my servant do this and he does it and when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who have followed him, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, you know, it's interesting. There's only two times Jesus marvels in the Bible. And it's this time he says he marveled and said to those who have truly I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. The, 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 the Gentile centurion has greater faith than every other Jew that he's met in Israel. And then the only other time that he marvels is at their lack of faith. The only thing that makes Jesus marvel is faith, either lots of it or none of it. And he says, truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. See, the, the reason why Jesus marveled at this faith is he understood how faith works. It's not some mystical thing. It's not some, some uh, 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 bucket you have to fill up. It's just a simple belief in that what you say is going to happen. And what God says is going to happen. It's a complete and utter trust. He says, he says, you don't even have to go there. I know how this works. I don't have to go and talk to every single one of my soldiers one-on-one and tell them to do something for that to happen. I tell it to the one in command, and he goes and takes care of it, and it gets done. He says, you don't even have to show up. Just say that it's done, and it'll be done. And Jesus says, man, I've not seen faith like this in all of Israel. I wonder if he was like, why can't everybody just get this? Why can't everybody just think like this man? I'm sure he said that to me plenty of times. But he says, because you have believed... It has happened. Because you have believed. I really hope you're starting to see a pattern in all of this. Because you have believed by your faith. Be it done according to your faith. I'm going to run out of time here, so let me get moving. In Matthew 15, 21 through 28, it says, Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely... Oppressed by a demon, but he did not answer her a word and his disciples came and begged him saying send her away for she is crying out after us You know as christians, we should never send people away that are crying out for help We should listen. We shouldn't be annoyed by them And if you are annoyed begin to pray ask god to change your heart in that matter Lord knows I have in twenty-four, verse 24, he said, He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And when, then Jesus answered, O oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is another one of those cases. that Her faith was so great it overcame even what apparently appeared to be Jesus' will. You know, there's a couple miracles that happen in the Bible that uh, Jesus didn't want to do. Three of them. All of them at the behest of a woman. It's true. There's this one. She comes in and she begins to to cry out to him and 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 it wasn't his time it's not that like we talked about last week it's not that that god's will wasn't for her to be healed it just wasn't his will at that time he hasn't he hadn't been revealed yet it wasn't time for him to step out into that role it was still here for the jews not for the gentiles yet and and she's and her faith causes her daughter to be healed if you want to know the other two times it was we just talked about the woman that goes through and touches the hem of his garment and then his mom uh, Pastor Andy Elms was telling the story of his mom and says, go ahead and uh," and she says, go ahead and listen to him. Do whatever he says. And he says, woman, it's not yet my time. And Pastor Andy, he says, this is what I imagine happened. He said, woman, it's not yet my time. And his mom went. (laughs) She's like, the Bible doesn't say she wears glasses, but it works for my illustration. (laughs) What'd you say? (laughs) She says, just do what he says. And she just leaves. Jesus didn't want to do that. You know, it's interesting that our faith causes things to move in the spiritual world. There's so many, you know, one of the things that I've seen, and this is not in my message notes today, but the truth is 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 that when we stand in faith, I believe that, that sometimes God even answers prayers that aren't His will. And, and we can be aggressive in our faith and cause things. the reason why I say this there's there's two instances that that uh, uh one uh Jesus went to a town they rejected him and James and John the sons of thunder said let me call down heaven or called on fire from heaven and he said no you don't know what spirit you're of he didn't say no that would be impossible no that wouldn't work he said you don't know what spirit you're of but they I believe they could have called down fire on that city their faith would have made that happen. Another time that God answered a prayer that He specifically didn't want to do is when when uh, He brought a king to the Israelites. They were praying for a king. He's like, "No, They're like, let us have a king. No, please, can I have a king? No, we want a king. No, we want it. fine." And it made their life a mess. If you're praying for something and God's telling you no, you probably should listen. There might be a reason. But I do believe we need to get aggressive with our faith, press through the opposition, press through the obstacles, and trust God that he'll do what he said he's going to do. And if you're concerned about violating his will, then just pray things according to his will. And we already looked at last week that it is his will for you to be healed. If you ever want to know if you're doing something in line with God, if you're doing something according to his will, just read his word. If it's in alignment with his word, it's according to his will. If it's not in alignment with his word, then it's not. It's really a simple test that you can do on what you're praying for, right? You're praying for your daughter to be healed. That's God's will. You're praying for your, for your neighbor's wife, not God's will. Don't pray for that. <laughs> really simple. But we need to trust God and press through the opposition. She's a little bit ahead of her time. But he says, "O oh woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. Matthew eight, two through four, it says, and behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. Other translations, he says, if you're willing. And he says, I am willing. The point here is that this was Jesus's will to heal this person. And it says, immediately his leprosy was cleansed and, and cleansed, and Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. You know, we talked about some of the things of leprosy, but this guy, he gets healed by Jesus, and Jesus says, go to the, the priest and prove it to him, because there was a whole... Uh, uh, list of things you had to do to be to, to have leprosy dealt with the priest had to look at it and depending on what color the mark was and if there was one mark inside of another mark and there was this whole list of things that you had to do to be proclaimed fit for worship to be clean And once again, the leper is is willing to stand against everything to be touched by God. And he says, you know what? You're healed. Go see the priest. Because this wasn't a show. This wasn't a magic act. This wasn't he just looked better, but he really wasn't. He was completely clean. And he went to the priest to prove that he was. Now, this one doesn't say that it was by his faith. He was made well, doesn't specifically say it, but we can look at his actions and know that he had faith, because if you didn't believe that Jesus could do this, you don't go into the city where you're not supposed to be. You don't come up to a man who's not supposed to be in contact with you, let alone touch you and and talk to him. His actions demonstrated that he had faith that Jesus could do what he said or what he thought he could do. And Mark two, one through 12, we see this one's the craziest story in the whole Bible, about the amount of faith these people had, because if this was my house, you're going to see, but if this was my house, I would not be a happy camper. Mark 2, 1 through 12 says, And many were gathered together, so there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came bringing to him, this is Jesus they're bringing him to, it says, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed into which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their heart, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Ding, ding, ding. And immediately Jesus perceived in a spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and and went out before them all. So they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. So here we go. They tore the roof off the house, guys. Think about that. If we were having a healing service and there was no room to get to the door and somebody busted a window to get in, you might see a pastor cuss. (laughs) Stuff's expensive. See, here's the thing, is is that they trusted that he was going to do what he said he was going to do and they were willing to do anything. And what I find even more interesting is there's no indication they were upset. Apparently the people that own these houses are better men than I am. And... This is always a challenge to me. Am I willing to, to what am I willing to endure to be there for somebody else? I think that should be a challenge to us all. But they had to really believe Jesus was going to do something to tear a hole in this person's house. I mean, they, they just ripped a hole in the roof. And they let him down. And then Jesus did something interesting. This is not what they were expecting. He says, Jesus saw their faith, right? How did he see their faith? Because they put a hole in the roof. And he says he saw their faith, and he said, Son, your sins are forgiven. Like, Jesus, that's not what we came here for. He wants to walk. They didn't realize that that's a better thing. And I find it interesting because he says, "Your your, Your sins are forgiven, then they freak out. Who can forgive sins? Only God alone. And Jesus is like, Are you getting it yet? But he said, Just to prove to you that I can forgive sins on earth, which is easier, forgiving sin, saying that your sins are forgiven or telling or healing him? Which is easier? And what I find super interesting that in, in this time it was easier for them to believe in healing than it was for the forgiveness of sins. It was like, yeah, we see, you know, we we've seen healing before. But the forgiveness of sins, oh, you can't do that. Today, it's completely opposite, right? It takes a small amount of faith to trust God for salvation. We get saved. But to trust God for a supernatural miracle in our body, some of us can't ever get to that point. It's completely opposite. They said, this is crazy. You can't forgive sins. You're not God. And he's like, yes, I am, but you know, let me prove it to you. And they heal the guy. And they're like, healing, eh, it's pretty amazing, but uh, yeah, we've seen that. But forgiving sins, it's it's it's, I don't know. I don't know if you guys think about that kind of stuff. It just blows my mind how things have twisted around. But he, he says he saw their faith. He literally saw their faith. It looked like a big hole in the roof. You don't have to put a hole in this building for me to believe you have faith. Just so everybody knows. Mark seven, thirty one through thirty five, it says and he returned from the region of Tyre and went through the city Sidon and the Sea of Galilee and the region of Decapolis, and they brought him you know, I wish they made a translation of the Bible where they just changed all the names to common names that are easy to read. Like just like the ESV but with easier words. It says, you know, seriously, so they went to the city of, of Los Angeles and went through yeah. through San Francisco to the you know, it'd be easier if we could read the words, right? Region of Decapolis, and they brought to him a man who was deaf, who had speech impediment, and they begged him and laid lay his hand on him and taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his finger into his ears after spitting, touched his tongue, and he looked up to heaven inside and said to him, that Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, and his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Once again, Jesus takes him away from the crowds. Why? Because he wants to get... Everybody away from that. that is not going to trust. Is not going to put their faith in what's going on. Sometimes you have to get away from people that are speaking negative things into your life. And then this one, once again, doesn't say specifically anything about his faith. But once again, I would argue that his actions say everything. So he's sitting there and he's like, all right, I'm going to get healed. He's looking around and he looks up and, and he, he doesn't hear anything yet. But he sees this. Jesus, what willies him? Yeah, think about that. What kind of faith that takes some faith to let someone stick their wet finger here. Every time that's happened to me, to me, there wasn't a healing that took place. (laughs) Typically, healing was needed after that took place. Would you just sit there for that? But he trusted Jesus. He's like, I don't care what you gotta stick your finger into, if you can make me hear. I believe you. I trust you. And the man had so much faith that he let Jesus do what he needed to do. I don't even think Jesus needed to do that. It was was just a test of his faith. He let him do what he needed to do. And instead of becoming upset, he got his ears healed. Instead of saying, Jesus, you can't do it that way. God, you can't do it that way. That's ridiculous. Why would it happen that way? Instead of him saying that, he let God work in whatever way God wanted to work. Didn't put him in a box. Didn't tell him how he, God had to heal him. He just let God work and he was healed because he trusted. You guys mind if I go a little bit long today? Because there's a bunch of good stuff here. It's just over and over. Matthew 17, 14 through 20 says, And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son. for he Actually, could somebody go in there and let the kids know that we're going to be a little bit long, just so they know. And a man came up to him and kneeling before him and said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, Why can you be healed? Because they're faithless. Oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. And The disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And he said, because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus rebuked the crowd for the lack of faith. He rebuked his disciples for the lack of faith. But the man still had faith in Jesus, as we'll see in a second. But he said lack of faith was the reason for your failure in this instance. So every other instance, we saw that it was their faith that made him well. And the reason why this one didn't work was their lack of faith. It says, how long? Hey everybody, this is Pastor Wayne. I apologize. We had some technical difficulties, so that will be the end of the message today. Just know that if you place your trust in Jesus, he is faithful. Hope this uh, series has been a blessing to you. Have a great day. Be blessed.